Play fake. They throw to the right corner of the end zone for Mercedes Lewis. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Bortles to Lewis in the right corner of the end zone. And Jacksonville has taken the lead in Foxborough. Brady takes the snap, hands it to White, runs it left into the end zone. Touchdown, Patriots. There you go. You woke up to sleep at Giant. Now you get in the locker room, you make your adjustments, and you come on, you play the best 30 minutes of football that you can. Up under center. He takes the snap. He play fakes to White. He stands in the end zone. He looks down the middle. He fires, and the ball is caught in the back of the end zone by Danny. It's a catch. Amendola. Touchdown. Patriots. It's a catch. He made the grab just inside the end line. And New England is taking the lead. I love Tom Brady. Keenum takes the snap. Here comes the rush. He's hit and it's intercepted. It's picked off by Robinson. Robinson at the 30. Cuts back across the field. Patrick Robinson looks for a block. Now he's at the 20. He's at the 15. The 10, the 5. Touchdown! They come right back. It's a flea flicker. Back to Foles. He's going deep down the far side of the field. And it is good! For the first time in 13 years, the Eagles are headed for the Super Bowl and a rematch with the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 52. Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you, uh, yes, you in the game. So much so that I already know two Eagles fans who are going to the Super Bowl with Touchdown Trips since yesterday night. with Ollie for crashing the vocals. This isn't music radio, Ollie. This is podcasting at its very averagest. I did said very finest. I, I couldn't have even pulled that off. Uh, you are listening to the Gridiron Show. Super Bowl 52 is set. The New England Patriots targeting their sixth Super Bowl in 16 years. The Belichick and Brady juggernaut keeps on rolling. But they're going up against the Philadelphia Eagles side who have proven themselves victors as underdogs. The last two weeks, can Nick Foles pull out another performance like that? We'll look back on all the action from last night. We'll also hear from Marquise Flowers and Miles Jack from inside the Patriots and Jaguars locker rooms. And we'll look at what the Jags and Vikings need to do in the offseason. Plus, what does Pat Shermer bring to the New York Giants? All of that and much more on The Gridiron Show. Ollie's having such a great time on the other side of the glass. This is very funny because uh, Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter's with me in the studio. uh, And Matthew uh, Sherry is down the line stressing about getting this brilliant looking Super Bowl issue off. Because honestly, the pages that he sent us already look absolutely stunning. But he needs to take a breath. He needs to take a breather. But what's hilarious about this whole situation is that we've got three guys who... 
Last night, me and Ollie were... Our, our opinion was we wanted the Jags to go through to the Super Bowl. That was going to be our preference because, you know, London's team, new team in the Super Bowl, everything else. Then when they couldn't get through, we wanted Not the Vikings fair, yeah. there so we'd get the home Super Bowl. We didn't get either of the teams we really wanted as fans, even though I still think it's going to be a great Super Bowl matchup. And I woke up in a bit of a malaise this morning. This guy has got his team going to the Super Bowl, the third time he'll see his team in a Super Bowl, and he's only about 21 years old, and yet he's the one who this evening is not having the best of times. So, Matt Sherry, cheer up, you're going back to the Super Bowl. Thanks, man, I needed that. I mean, it's 20 to 11, I've had three hours sleep, and I reckon I'm about six hours away from this work day, completing. But this is why we love the job. Is it? Is that why you love the job? Yeah, I mean, this is the exciting time of year. I love the process of putting a magazine together is, is awesome. When I, the the whole seeing the pages start to come together has is, is hugely cheered me up. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. But the Super Bowl issue will be out in time, more, most importantly for the Super Bowl, and will be the best preview you can find on the page anywhere in the UK. So head to gridiron-magazine.com to get your issue ordered if you're not already a subscriber. Yes, yours. Or okay. just <laughs> or just keep an eye on that, uh, on that uh, mat after next week and... Uh, just give it a good read before the Sunday night because it's going to be absolutely brilliant and we're really looking forward to it Matthew and I'm looking forward to seeing you on Sunday buddy yeah can't wait fellas um, just just one thing I would say on this um, this magazine is actually the usual 64 page magazine so we've done a lot of historical Super Bowl content in there plus a 20 page separate magazine on the game itself so it's the same price but people are getting 20 extra pages for their money wow that's like uh, about forty-two and a half percent more. Brilliant for free. Yeah, good maths, mate. Math. Good maths. I made that up. And what you can do is bring your copy down to our Super Bowl party at Bloomsbury Bowl Lanes in uh, North Central London and come and watch it for free. There's going to be cheerleaders. There's going to be London game tickets being given away and other prizes. There's going to be merch on the night. There's going to be pizzas. There's going to be bowling. There's going to be live Super Bowl action. You might even get a videotaped pre-show from the gridiron team as well on the big screens ahead of the game you don't want to watch Carlson and OC Human you're on the BBC coverage Who? you don't want to watch Reynolds and Reinbold on the Sky coverage you want to watch a hastily slapped together Radio <laughs> Row compilation <laughs> from these men oh superb well. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm genuinely looking forward to that when are we doing it on the Friday I'd, I'm not sure where. I mean whenever suits basically whenever it works around your guys schedule the, this is definitely well, the I mean, least organised I've been going out to a Super Bowl by a country mile and of course it's the first I've heard of any of this so yeah thanks guys I just, I just find out now oh we're doing a video are we okay great and, you know brilliant well you spent Friday night with this man and, and with Josh Peacock as well I'm amazed it didn't come up in conversation uh, then we, did, we had a great time didn't we Matt you bought me lunch oh, or dinner beautiful. it was lovely had some cocktails, had some Guinness. It was great. I hung around here. Where were you, Will? Oh, oh. I, I'm genuinely gutted about Friday because, and, for, and kind of threefold. I did have real genuine reasons that I couldn't have come till later. But then I was like, right, so I'm not going to get there till about nine-ish. I really should spend some time with my wife before I go away to the Super Bowl. This was also, when I made these plans, there was a thought that we might be going to one of the championship games this past weekend instead. Ollie Wilson and Greg Brady went and we stayed back here for TalkSport. Um, yeah, there was, yeah, it was a genuine, like, I wanted to spend time with my wife ahead of going away. So I did. Went and saw my wife, we had some dinner, we went and watched a film, came home. When she found out 
that you were in town having a drink with Sherry and Josh. She was annoyed that we hadn't gone to that. <laughs> that is that's awesome. One the, that's one of the best things I've heard all day. That is outstanding. Well done, Sarah. She and and it was. Uh, I'm sorry, Ollie, and I'm sorry, Josh, who she doesn't really know. But it was very specifically the att- attendance of Matt Sherry that she was gutted to be missing. Well, that's fair enough because she never sees Sherry. He's he's up north in the where it's cloudy all the time and rains a lot and. You know, that's fine. Sherry's up north and, you know, she gets a lot of me. Great northern stereotyping, Maybe too buddy. much of me, actually. But that's not the point. Sherry was oh. on top form. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, and welcome. you were on top form. Oh, never, Ollie. It was a great night. He's obviously not had a lot of sleep because he's in full Darth Vader mode today as well. That is some heavy breathing, buddy. <laughs> I, I've had, I've, I think I've just fallen asleep in an out of target at the moment. Wow. Uh, so we're going we're gonna, to, as we said, hear from uh, Miles Jack and from Marquis Flowers inside the locker rooms. Ollie Wilson got us those uh, interviews while he was out in, uh, in the US. Um, we're also going to be uh, talking about the two games last night. We'll do a mini Super Bowl, like, you know, 30 seconds of your thoughts, because we're going to be talking so much about it while we're out in the States anyway, that we'll just get a little initial moment of thought about it uh, and we'll look at what the Vikings and the Jaguars need to do this coming off season should we start with the should we go chronologically it seems like the most sensible yeah, yeah, way yeah, to do it yeah, yeah. so we'll start with the game in Foxborough where the Jacksonville Jaguars so close and yet so far unable to do it in the fourth quarter as Tom Terrific as he keeps being hashtagged on our uh, Instagram for some bizarre reason sorry who's uh, doing that yeah who knows honestly that's awful <laughs> it's, it's genuinely it really isn't me it really <laughs> <laughs> That's rubbish. It, it keeps claiming that. I keep thinking it is. Um, it, they were, they they managed to put together what they keep doing in the fourth quarter of games and never quite managing to uh, to be put away by a team. Come back, win twenty four to twenty. It was a brilliant season for the Jags, and, and there are certainly question marks over them. Uh, the game itself, there's a couple of very clear turning points, and a lot of people will talk about the penalty discrepancy, and there were a couple of penalties against the, the Patriots, which maybe should have been called, but we see that so often in games anyway. The Jags really cost them themselves this game late on, giving up a... a uh, after a big play, giving up a, a, um, a delay of game penalty, uh, giving up the... I mean. Both of those penalties on the first patch drive, the the helmet to helmet and the uh, and the PI were unfortunate. But you kind of you've got to make sure you avoid those situations and play situational football. And it's just felt like what the Patriots did brilliantly on on Sunday night. And it's really interesting. We had a conversation with the great Paolo Bandini on the Talk Sports Show, and he he kind of really nailed this for me. There's this theory that I'm kind of with that there is no such thing as a clutch team. There is no such thing as a, a, a team improving their play going into a big moment. But there is such a t- thing as a team not dropping off in the big moment. And what was so amazing about the Patriots when they were down on a number of occasions in that second half, it was so steady. The play never wavered. They never went away from their game plan. They made some adjustments on defense in the second half, which were brilliant. But there was just that real absolute belief they were going to turn it around and they're so calm aren't the world that's the one thing that stands out to me whenever I watch these games There's, they're just so cool and calm they're insane I mean as a fan I obviously enjoy it but you can also appreciate it regardless because I've, I've honestly never seen anything like it in any sport it's, it's absolute madness and, and crazy how much 
how much better than they are better they are than the than the rest at it. I mean, there's a stat I saw today. The last four times they've been down by double digits in the playoffs, they've won the game. That is absolutely ridiculous. They play for sixty minutes, and if you can't match that, then you're not going to win the game. Uh, and unfortunately that's been the case in a couple of big occasions for opposition in recent times and I, I, the, the, the question marks for the Jags I mean was the fact that they dropped off so massively in that fourth quarter that maybe I know me and Ollie watching it felt nervous every time Blake Bortles had the ball in his hand but actually Bortles has been excellent over the last two weeks and in five of the last seven games he's been really good and, and he's not turned the ball over he's made some big plays he's made some big throws but it felt like they just weren't confident enough to make a big play in the big moment. And, and what's funny is, when we talked about the, the Patriots staying steady, they managed to win that game against the Falcons last year without a single play. What, above 28 yards, I think, was their biggest play of the game? Uh, same thing last night. No big chunk plays. It was all just done very meticulously. A couple of, you know, 20-plus yard plays, but nothing absolutely huge. Uh, the Jags, it felt like, occasionally needed to take the risk, put the ball in Bortles' hands, get aggressive. And in the second half, with a lead, they just looked a bit scared to do so. Yeah, but I think I think that overlooks some of the adjustments the Patriots made on defence. I mean, the, the, the difference to me was just first down, and the Patriots... The Jaguars didn't throw on first down enough, admittedly, but the Patriots just shut down the running game completely in the second half. They made the right adjustments... And it's not a coincidence that they do that in the second half against every team that they face. I mean, when when they got back into it at the end of the half, I thought to myself, right, they, they'll probably win now because the Jags haven't got far enough ahead and we know the Patriots will shut it down in the second half. And, and they did that. And it, it just is not coincidence to do it better than any team in the league. I thought they were totally outcoached in the first half, but then they outcoached the Jaguars in the second half. But... From a Jaguars perspective, we can second-guess some of the decisions, but I, that was one of the better coaching jobs I've seen against the Patriots in the last five years. And for a team who, from where they came from last year, to be in that spot in the AFC Championship game, they could take more positives out of this than probably any defeated team in that kind of situation that I can remember. I think it's fascinating as well with that. Uh, Matt Patricia, those adjustments in the second half, particularly, it was the corner blitzes that came just out, seemingly out of nowhere that put Blake Bortles completely off his... Uh, in the first half, whenever he scrambled, whenever he got to the edge personally, mm. the lack of pace in the Patriots' defence really showed up. And they managed to get some good plays on rollouts. They managed, I mean, he didn't particularly scramble for any huge play but they always seem to not be able to get after him when he got outside the pocket so in the second half they contained it they just played contained they started blitzing a corner back and, and suddenly they can't run the play action anywhere near as well and suddenly he's having to throw the ball off time and off schedule and that's when you manage to you know you don't get the turnovers but you get the three and outs you turn the ball over quickly and, and you get that field possession yeah uh, the field position was massive exactly that, that one terrible punt and the big return was just that but was so some of the, it's, I think you say, Matt, that it was one of the best coaching performances against the Patriots you've seen in a while. The problem for me was that it became far too predictable for the Jags, especially when they were twenty to ten up, and and 
I think they became far too conservative. It was always run on the first two plays, and it seemed every yeah. single time they did go to the run, it was to the left-hand side or, or slightly up the middle. And um, I, there was a player, I forget the name, that the Patriots brought in and managed to stuff that every single time. And what they, did, they didn't they did do compared to last week when um, they, they put 45 points up on, on the, the Steelers was TJ Yeldon was a, a perfect foil for Leonard Fournette when Fournette was getting tired or wasn't getting the yards in would come Yeldon and he would catch balls out of the backfield I think he was five or six catches out of the backfield and he would run a, a, for a, a, a whole lot of yards that didn't happen I mean there was an awful lot of the, 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 uh, What's funny is in the first half it did happen and Grant came in and did yeah, a really good job. It. But um, I tell you what was funny there was there was a kind of there was a two play series in the second half which really highlighted to me just how badly this was kind of going for for the uh, just how well the Patriots had adjusted and just how badly it was going for the Jags offense. If you look at those two backs, if you look at Fournette and you look at Yeldon, and I described two plays to you, one where one comes out of the backfield on a wheel route and actually gets open deep, and one where a guy has to stay back and, and block in pass protection yeah. for a, for a, a, an on-schedule throw, the way around you want that is Yeldon making the run uh, and, uh, and Leonard Fournette in pass protection. Literally on two plays, it happened the exact other way around. Leonard Fournette, the ball was maybe slightly overthrown, but you feel like if Yeldon was in that position, he would have made the catch and got onto it. And then on the very next play, they rotated Yeldon in because Leonard Fournette had just made a 25-yard run downfield and looked knackered, yeah. and Yeldon got absolutely blasted in pass protection, and they got to Blake Bortles. And it just felt... It was one of those things. Everything just started to go wrong in the second half. Even if it wasn't majorly wrong, even if it wasn't turnover wrong, pick six wrong, it was just... All the little things stuff weren't here, happening stuff for there, them. there, and... Yeah, it, I don't know what... I, I, I mean, I personally thought the key, Will, is what you said in terms of the corner blitzers, but that feeds into I've seen this Patriots performance so many times over the years. They let a quarterback like Blake Bortles, they won't send any extra rushes at the start of a game because they think Blake Bortles will beat himself. If that doesn't happen, they get way more exotic on defence. And that, to me, was what they did and what confused the Jaguars. That I'd love to see it, but I'd be stunned if they sent more than four rushes on two or more, on more than two players in the first half. They seem to do it on most players in the second half, and they're, they're bringing guys from different places, and it just totally confused Bortles and the Jaguars, and it, it just goes to show how they approached the game at the start, and how, I remember Bill Belichick saying after the last Super Bowl, how a game shows itself after the first quarter, and it's always fascinating to me to see how they then change and the game plan was almost completely different in the second half and I think that's what stunned the Jaguars and here's the other thing for this one the receivers firstly the Jags having Alan Hearns back was so huge for them as a mm -hmm. as a big possession guy and I think that will be something going on into next season but when you lose Rob Gronkowski at the point that you lose Rob Gronkowski and this just keeps seeming to happen for the Patriots somebody comes up big and this time it was Danny Amendola and and they're just so well coached top to bottom that Amendola has not had a good season has not been as productive as he's been at his best at the Patriots but when needed in a big spot in the playoffs he just comes and he delivers I, I think that's by design though Will he played about 45% of the snaps in the regular season he has been absolute beast in the playoffs and they know that he, his body can't handle a full season of, of the beatdown so He's a great player. Amandola is a great player. He can't play as much as you'd want him to because he's injury prone. But his record in the playoffs at this point is getting to legendary 
status for the Patriots and he was great against Tennessee he was absolutely unbelievable in this game I mean there was the high catch as well in the red zone the the touchdown catch was was incredible getting his, getting his feet down uh, I was convinced in the first moment that he'd been pushed out of bounds but to get that second yeah, foot down and, and you watched the way he looked down at his feet as he got the as he secured the ball and made sure he touched that second foot down and almost suspended his body while he did it it was freakishly good yeah it was it was ludicrous and and I mean what more can you say about Tom Brady there's not a lot it's it's absolute insanity that was probably one of his best five wins of his career I would, might even put a third it, it was what, what, insane what, do you know what's great about it is that we don't have to spend this entire Super Bowl week talking about is Tom Brady the greatest of all time we feel like that question's answered now so we can spend it talking about other stuff because it did get a bit tiresome we by also, day seven last week last we year. also don't need to talk about <laughs> whether his hand is going to affect him in the Super Bowl because oh, all of that off. all of that rubbish <laughs> we knew it was all the smoke screen he was fine but yeah you're right Matt like the way that he, uh, he I, I mean it, it's so obvious that he would do it but the way he put the whole team on his shoulders and the, the spider cam of the huddle and the, the the steely look of determination on his voice as he was calling out the play and, and then the calmness to execute it time and time again it's just and Will and I aren't Patriots fans by any stretch of the imagination but it is great to watch someone great doing really, something great I really love that steely look of determination on his voice in particular well yeah thanks mate. <laughs> it was one of your best <laughs> turn of phrases ever mate <laughs> Do, do, do you not think it's even better to watch when Tony Robo is talking you through the little things like looking off the linebackers and and, and, and in crunch time those little moments are the things that change the but game and here's what's amazing about that is that there was a throw because I honestly saw Romo talking about that there was a throw to the sideline to um to uh, Alshon Jeffrey in the second game where Nick Foles not only uh, had a great looking pump fake where I genuinely thought he was going to release the ball but then stared directly downfield whilst releasing the ball at a near 45 degree angle from his body to the sideline I'm like that was Brady-esque that was amazing and I just we'll talk about that performance and where that came out of bloody nowhere all of a sudden it's funny we do talk I'd mentioned there the kind of the storylines which build up to a Super Bowl one story one uh, little quirk of of the NFL which has uh, reared its head and I do like it when these things come around um the last time the the Patriots and Eagles squared off in the Super Bowl was the was the third of the three wins in that in that dynasty period previously in the four-year span and at the end of that season both of their coordinators left in charlie weiss and romeo cronell we could see literally the exact same situation with the patriots three in four years followed by both of their coordinators riding off into the sunset so the good news is ollie they won't win another one for like seven years after this let's hope so (laughs) well it was it it was actually it was actually a decade i think but yeah it was one more they'd They'd just come off a Super Bowl victory at NRG Stadium the year before as well. There's some real bizarre parallels. Oh, wow. There's, uh, some, there's some other uh, talking points from this game, and the Rob Gronkowski hit, I know... Uh, it's fair Willie, to say I was quite passionate about that. You're passionate one way. <laughs> there was there was some Red Willy coming out last so, night. So was it... A, oh, it was great Red Willy. <laughs> was it a dirty hit, Red Willy? No! Not at all! If you watch it in real time, the guy is 
charging at full speed to make a tackle if he he leads with his shoulder yes he looks up at the guy if he doesn't look up at him that's absolute insanity but the the, the fact is is Rob Gronkowski is coming down from a height and their helmets come together it's got to be a penalty because you've got to make sure that any time there's contact with the helmets whether it's intentional or not you've got to you've, you've got to flag that the safety of the game the way the NFL will be called up if they don't but what annoyed me was the 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 talk on Twitter of he intended to do that to knock Rob Gronkowski out of the game. These are split second it's- decisions in the moment that if if he's if and I think he's a great player, Barry Church, and has been really good these last two years. And having talked to him when he's been over here with the Cowboys and the Jags, he doesn't strike me as the sort of person to target someone anyway. But if he thinks that quickly and can react that quickly and specifically do what he did, and that was all done intentionally, well, he's a better player than I thought he was. Well, I obviously vehemently disagreed with you at the time and then saw it again and thought that you could be right. And It's the full-speed replay now. that makes the difference. When you watch these things in slow motion, they start to take on a different life. You've got to watch them at full speed to really understand how bang-bang those plays are. The only thing I would say is his reaction after the hit suggests to me that it might have been done on purpose but who knows I'm not yeah, I did the reaction I think afterwards wasn't good I mean it was emotional in the moment and it was typical of a defence that's really in that kind of you know like the Seahawks whenever they make a big tackle on defence or on special teams the whole team kind of loses their loses it and dances around and stuff but that's all part of like the, the reaction I don't believe that Again, it was so instant afterwards. I think if he'd seen that the guy was really hurt, he might not have been like, yeah, because I think even if nothing else, he might not be stupid enough to do that. For me, it wasn't a dirty hit. It was an unfortunate hit for, obviously, Gronkowski and the, the Patriots, but it's a hit that if you're a Jags fan, you're a Jags player, you're a Jags coach, to knock out Rob Gronkowski for the game for 15 yards, you take that hit any day of the week. But, again, I don't think it was on purpose. I don't think it was malicious. But Barry Church, once the, the hit was made, you know he's he's thinking, oh great, I've uh, I've uh, put one on Rob Gronkowski here, and he could be out. And I th- I understand his reaction straight after the hit, but I don't think it was. I don't think he lined him up helmet to helmet and thought I'm going to smash him in the in the jaw with my the crown of my helmet. No, no, not a chance for me. But well, there we go. That's just me. Yeah, I, I, I really thought there was going to be more there. But and, there we go. And uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, the very quickly, the the other the other contentious moment was the Miles Jack uh, fumble recovery. Was it a fumble? Wasn't it a fumble? And then the, the 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 referees played it, whistled it dead. I didn't. I thought it was a fumble. And I don't think they should have played. Uh, it, it, it the, the, the fact of whether it was a fumble or not is much more contentious to me because there is it's that thing of what is a fumble is different to a catch, and in a catch situation, that's not a catch, but he already had possession and was running with the ball, and and you could argue that he had it pinned against his against his thigh. I think that well, I think because what, the ball moved, what, it, it yeah. wasn't in control. Well, what was funny is you saw it from from three different angles, and you could almost take three different completely different views of yeah. it. One in which he clearly had it pinned. One in which it it was moving and you weren't sure and another one where it's like no his hand literally like passes by and pushes the ball out and it's I think I, taking that away it is a, just a more general issue that blowing a play dead when it's a turnover so it's already going to be reviewed anyway just let it play out let it happen yeah. And as Matt said on our WhatsApp group last night, the worst thing that could happen is players get a little bit tired because they've had to run down the field. Yeah. I think it just shows as well, Matt, that 
Ed Hockley is one of the worst referees, and their their refereeing crew is one of the worst in, on the on the planet. Because to have uh, the Patriots yet again I mean, only it, only done for one penalty it, and the Jags nine, that's a, that's Hockley, though, that's that's dodgy. It was Clay Blakeman, the referee. But well, um, there's Ed Hockley in the late game. That's why oh, was it? Yeah, I got it, confused. It was funny because in the late game, basically, because Eagles Vikings got a. Uh, not boring for as an Eagles fan, but because it obviously became a bit of a blowout. Kevin Harlan on the uh, on the Westwood One commentary. Oh God, yeah. Sherry got very very funny with Ed Hockley at any occasion that he could talk about his uh, getting involved in a play with his rippling biceps, storming into that fight between the players, and it was very funny. He kind of went on a whole tear about it on three or four different occasions, and clearly the man was just amusing himself because he'd been given the duffer game of the day. Yeah, absolutely. The only the only thing I would say on the fumble is, I didn't know the rules well enough to determine it on the night. But from reading them today, it, it's not a fumble. I think Jeff Reinbold was spot on on the broadcast in that. Soon as the act is made, whether he pins it very well or not, he's regained possession because he's already on the ground. So I don't think it was a fumble anyway. So I think it ended up evening out, but. Well, I, I, but that's thing, it. I, th- the I think I think there then needs to be a review of that and a review of the catch. There needs to be some kind of agreeable parity between the two. Because I mean, what if as it's pinned to his leg, there's no actual contact in that moment, and then it slips out again? Or does that not just count as a second fumble rather than you know? It all gets very very uh, convoluted, and I just think it should be not until once the ball is out, it needs to be fully secured again before we call it possessed again and down again and, and you know that could affect a lot of situations but I would rather see clarity and something that's much easier to call on the field as well because some of the replay lengths again were ridiculous last night I know they've got to get it right in a big game but Christ um, yeah we're going to be talking a lot about Gronkowski I'm sure over the next couple of weeks and there's going to be a lot of discussion over where he is in the concussion protocol should we talk about what the Jags do this off season or move on to the next game and then talk about the teams in the off season what do you reckon boys I think we go next game and then wrap up what? Well, we're 30 minutes already. Wow. Well, let's hear then from a couple of the interviews yeah. from the locker room at yeah. least. Uh, we'll start with the losing team. Miles Jack, uh, Ollie Wilson caught up with him and he was superb last night and over the last couple of weeks. Miles Jack had a brilliant game, even on the flea flicker where um, if you just saw it from the, the the initial sideline view, it looked like Jack might have got caught out. But actually the adjustment he made to get downfield, the range that he covered on that play, uh, just his closing speed, his instincts, everything about it was phenomenal when you saw the kind of all 22 spider cam version of it. Um, so, you know, one of those players, very unfortunate to be on a losing team as I think most of the Jags is fair to stay should feel that way uh, this morning and he spoke with our own Ollie Wilson after the game during the game I was like okay we just got to keep playing just got to keep playing I mean the Falcons was up with they, they was up by damn near 20 points or something like that and they came back so that's that's what he does and it's, it's I mean it's remarkable man it's it's, it's, it's crazy but yeah you got to give him credit when you're down there on the field do you feel those swings of momentum them just absolutely you, you feel the crowd you feel you know brady starts running them up tempo when they make a big play i mean you can you can feel they're they're, they're putting that pressure on the defense you know they start running plays a little bit faster you got to get the call on the mic from the defense coordinator a little bit quicker line up and try and put out that fire because once they catch you on a big play then they start moving and it the the when a big play happens normally it's, it's that second of confusion trying to figure out what happened but you can't you got to keep playing and that's where they attack you once they get a big play they keep you on your heels and i guess those big big plays really kill as well because you, you stop the short stuff and then 
downfield and right. it's all negated. Right, that's, yeah, it's, they, they, you know, it's jab, 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 and then they hit you with a big one. Jab, 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 and then they hit you with a big one. I mean, it's that's what they do. <laughs> Can you take any consolation at all from where this team has come from to this point? Yeah, that, that, and that's the that's where I got to be mature about it and, and, and try to look at it from a, a perspective of how far we came. It's just, this just wasn't, you know what I mean? This wasn't the ending point. This wasn't the goal, but uh, eventually I'll appreciate it. Eventually I will, but right now I'm just, yeah, not, I'm sad. <laughs> uh, see, and that's the thing. You, you never think the game's over. You know, we were definitely excited. We were like, okay, we, we were 15. How long is the quarter? 15, 12 minutes? It's 15 minutes. 15 minutes away from going to the Super Bowl. All we got to do is lock in, just do what we need to do. Obviously, you know, we, we can see, we, you can see the Super Bowl and coming up. It's just, you know, you're playing number 12. He's 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 always in the game. It's always a game. And, yeah, he made plays. Miles Jack speaking with Ollie Wilson after the game. He said that the Jags are going to be back next year. They will be back here in London, of course, as well. And we're all looking forward to see what they do in the offseason. What about from the Patriots side? Because it's funny that we've got there one guy who is a highly touted prospect, who had a brilliant year, who we all believed in the talent of and ends up on the losing team. Now we're going to hear from a guy who just is one of those just a guys who gets signed off the street by Bill Belichick Akeem Ayers a couple of years ago was a prime example of one of these where you just think well that's not going to have any huge impact maybe a bit of depth and then Marquise Flowers comes into this side and plays absolutely lights out over the last five or six weeks and Ollie Wilson caught up with uh, Marquise in the locker room afterwards about going from being basically a backup at the Bengals to being an AFC champion. Man, it feels great, man. It's a, it's a surreal feeling, man. All the work you put in. Um, obviously, got traded here, and uh, man, it's been crazy. You know, we worked hard, we earned it. And, uh, I can't wait. Fun bandwagon to jump on, I guess, and getting into the uh, into the big one. But that was an AFC championship game that really you had to fight for to get this. Yeah, I mean, no one's ever. It's not going to be easy. Um, I know the media, TV media out there may seem like it's going to be easy. They're never easy. Um, that's a good team we just faced right now. They came in with a good game plan. They executed it well. And, you know, we just, you know, we fought to the end. And we was able to come out with the victory. Obviously, we're going to come in here, you know, when we come back in here. And we, we want to play better. At the end of the day, we want to play better. Because we know we can play better. But it's going to feel good correcting these mistakes going to the Super Bowl. That offense gets... All the plaudits, all the acclaim. Everybody talks about Tom Brady and the receivers and Gronk, but that defense stepped on in a big way, slowing down Jacksonville tonight. How tough, how deep did you have to dig to, to shut them down at times? We had to dig deep. I know this, I mean, everybody was talking about Patriots offense against Jacksonville's defense and then Jacksonville's offense and how they improved. No one was talking about the defense. And, um, at the end of the day, we want to play better, but they, they it was a tough test, and we knew it was going to be tough. I mean, they came out, like I said, they executed well. They got to what they wanted to get to, and um, I think in the second half, when we finally, you know, start start putting everything together, you know, we, we started a little late, and we just started putting it together, man. We gave Tom enough time to go out and do his thing, and um, we had some huge stops at the end of the game, and that's what this defense is about. Do you like the media not talking as much about the Patriots, Steve? Do you like kind of going under the radar a bit and it just getting on with the job? It don't matter to me as long as we win. We AFC champions. They're going to talk about us now, and then they're going to the, to, to the next to the couple weeks, and then they're going we're going to disappear again. But that's all right as long as you know you know it's a team thing. It really doesn't matter. Like I said, I said it before, said it said it before, say it again. It only matters with Coach Belichick, Coach Patricia, Coach Flores, and defensive coaches say. It doesn't matter what anybody else outside this building say. 
What about the kind of siege mentality that we get with New England at times? We've seen the T-shirts, everybody against us kind of thing. I mean, do you get that feeling that that's here again this year? Do you have an us-against-them attitude? Are you really relying or at least playing on that to get... Absolutely, man. With success comes 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 hate comes haters, man. Um, when you when you do when you when, when you do this stuff for so long, it, it comes haters, and uh, that's just the world we live in. Obviously, no one wants to see us win because they feel like we win too much. Well, that's not our fault. I just got here, and I know how how hard we work. This is a new team. It's a different team from last year. Different team from any year, and I know how hard we work to get to this point. Let them know. Let them know. They shot me out where I'm from, UK, London. They didn't just in case y'all know. Uh, we, we worked hard to get to this point, and uh, I'm glad we got the job done tonight, and uh, we AFC champions. So how does it feel then? Getting that third down conversion, the offense. You're on the sideline. You're watching it. You go into the Super Bowl. It's confirmed. Just take us through that moment. I mean, it, it, it was a it was a crazy moment. I mean, uh, obviously, Deion Lewis. We never lost. We never lose confidence in none of our players. Um, you know, as a defense, we was preparing to go back on the field. But like when I seen when I seen them bounce out, I seen they didn't set the edge. Sometimes it's the little things, man. And I knew Deion was gonna get there, and it was game over. And, that, and the offense is capable of doing that. They work on that. They work on ending the game. Sometimes defense don't got to always end the game. So. Um, it was just one of them feelings like, man, it was just like find a dude next to you because you know how hard he worked in this building and, and celebrate. How's the next two weeks two weeks going to be for you? I mean, For me, it's going to be getting better. Obviously, I didn't. I feel like I had my best game. I'm just happy we won. Um, I'm going to go in there and definitely try to try to do better. Not try to do better. I'm going to get it done. I've uh, got two weeks prepared, two weeks prepared for a team. And, um, you know, i got to play better, help my team win. And uh, so we can have an even better feeling next, the next time we play. Marquis Fowers speaking with the Gridiron Show with TalkSport Ollie Wilson uh, after the game last night. Um, just very quickly on the Jags, because I think we should mention it, and we'll talk maybe more about it as the off-season goes on, boys. There's there's kind of two issues that are, are facing this team going into the off-season. The, what they do at receiver is a lesser issue, but what they're going to do with Alan Robinson, Marquise Lee, both of those guys out of contract uh, this off-season and, and weapons... You know they did pretty well with a bunch of backups this year, but could those players have made a? Could Alan Robinson have made a difference? We saw what difference Alan Hearns made, but obviously Blake Bortles is the big one. I'm kind of being one round to the idea of bringing in some competition for Bortles like they should have done this year, but actually letting him play out his fifth year option because he was so good in the last two weeks and, like I say, five of the last seven weeks. There are still issues there. There's no, he's gone in my mind from being a bottom five or six quarterback in the league this season to being right in and around the kind of the middle, lower end of the middle pack. And people have won Super Bowls with those kind of players on a number of occasions before. It's a really tough decision, isn't it, Will? I mean, I would personally, given what's available on the market this year, quarterback wise, I would let him hit the market and I would see whether I could lure in a Kirk Cousins or an Alex Smith. And if I can do that, then I move ahead with those guys. It's not like Bortles is going to be a prize-free agent, so I think you can let him see free agency, see what's out there, and I think you can potentially pursue other options at the same time. And then if it doesn't work, you go back to Bortles. I don't think it's a decision that needs to be made right now. I I wouldn't pick up the 50-year option, because I think you could actually get him cheaper than that. Do you think somebody's going to give him £19 Probably not, but I do start to think that I, I, there is just part of me that thinks that he will that that if they start with Blake Bortles under centre, as long as he's got some genuine competition in the building but I would not feel, the way I'd feel about that week one of next season versus how I felt about it week one of this season would be worlds apart. I don't think that you go anywhere near him being a starter for next year. 
He is. He's been. He has been a, a, a. Yeah, but they didn't win. He has played a top twelve, top fifteen level quarterback the last seven weeks. I think he has been better than Joe Flacco. He has been better than. Uh, I'm trying to think of guys who were kind of on the verge of the playoffs, but didn't quite make it there. Like guys who will. Uh, con- there's guys who are considered franchise quarterbacks mm. who Blake Bortles played better than this season. That is true, but when it it came down to it. Some of his play cost them. They couldn't trust him. Well, yeah, they couldn't trust him, and some they of his couldn't play. Trust him at the end of that game. But I think they could have done. I, I think that that comes down to play calling. I think there were a couple of moments that they should have gi- they should have given him the the chance to make a play. So would you pick up the option immediately, or would you go down my route? Because I don't think another team is paying him nineteen million dollars a year either. So I think at worst case scenario, you can get him back on a cheaper deal than that. I think I think the I, I there's nobody out there this year who screams at me phenomenal long-term option. I think Kirk Cousins is the is the one who he showed some great toughness down the stretch and overall looks like the best option. Alex Smith I think because he's so uh, good at looking after the ball looks like another option, but let's not forget he is starting to get up in years now as well and may not be a long a long year choice. Um the fact is haven't they already exercised the fifth year option last year anyway? Isn't there? I, th- I think they did. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they have an option of opting out of that now. So you have to trade him away or cut him and take the hit. No, I, th- I thought it is, I thought it was guaranteed for injury only. The Jacksonville Jaguars showed more wrong, support like, by ex- exercising the fifth-year option in his rookie contract on Monday. They had little choice, so they needed to pick up the option, which could pay Bortles nineteen million in two thousand and eighteen. If not. Uh, Oh, so yeah, he goes. So 2018 is guaranteed by option only. So the Jaguars could cut Bortles. So they yeah. could cut him and then look at signing him back if nobody picks him up. That is an option yeah, for them. Absolutely. And okay, maybe there is a, an argument for doing that and testing the market. But if you don't get Alex Smith on a trade, because he does have another year left, if you don't get. I think Sam Bradford probably follows Pat Shermer to New York as a, as a second option there. I so think, are we thinking that Eli could come down? I hate that. I hate oh, well, no, Eli as much as you town. hate that as a as an option, it's certainly a possibility. But given his relationship with Tom Coughlin, it is. But I'm not sure if that's a huge upgrade. If I could get Smith or Cousins, I would do it in a heartbeat. And, 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 <laughs> what a sound! Um, <laughs> I didn't look. The, 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 I, I never thought I'd be in this position of saying that. I. I but I think there are if they can get one of those top five quarterbacks in the draft if one of them falls down and there is the ability or they can move up and go and get uh, you know a Lamar Jackson or someone like that around 2019 not have to move more than 10 spaces up in the draft to do it maybe Baker Mayfield falls to that sort of point there is every possibility that people aren't convinced by his size and, and by his ability to run a pro offence there if there's a guy like that available 18-19 and they can move up and get him and you can keep Blake Bortles around for this year and bring that guy into the building and, and coach him for a year etc I know it's not the same as sitting in behind Brett Favre but that to me sounds like a better option than just Scrapping everything and and hoping that you land on one of these free agents. I mean, it, it doesn't because again, you could always sign them back. I mean, the Patriots have this philosophy that's worked for them in the last few years. Why be frightened of free agency? Let the market determine the value. If you need to offer them a million dollars more, but do you? I, I do not think for one minute another team has paid Blake Bortles nineteen million dollars. So what have you got to be frightened of? I'm a, I'm in a total agreement with you. It was because of Blake Bortles, not because, but uh, he's a, a significant factor in them not going beyond 
the AFC Championship game. Not going beyond the AFC Championship game. That's like going he's a significant factor in them not... You know, that's that is utterly ridiculous. They are a team who we never expected gonna... to go to the AFC Championship game this season. And he was a significant factor in his play over the Steelers of them being there. He was a significant factor of them being 20 points to 17 up in that game. He was a significant factor in them winning 10 or 11 games this season because he's played well this year. Yeah, but you put people a better quarterback uh, in. The, 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 the other element, Will, on the Jaguars' whole season is, except for Alan Robinson, they've basically had unbelievable injury luck, particularly on their defence this year. I mean, that isn't going to happen again next season. So the team that he had in that AFC Championship game is probably going to be slightly weaker next season. So you need the quarterback to elevate, not operate at the same level and, and ultimately not be trusted by the coaching staff. They clearly don't trust them, so you could say that they should, but there's a problem and they don't, and they should look at what else is out there. No doubt about it. Um, just coming away from this, uh, breaking news, the Browns have hired Todd Haley as an offensive coordinator, so that's happened. Uh, I don't like it, but there we go. <laughs> I'm not particularly fan of that, a big fan of that hire, but maybe getting in somebody who's been with a, a divisional rival for so long is a, is a good move. I don't know. I'm excited about the AFC South next year either way because we've got Vrabel coming in at the Titans, which we need to talk about at some point. We've got um, the, the Texans are going to have a new defensive coordinator, but all of that talent back next year. The Jags, uh, the most talented kind of top-to-bottom team in that division, I think. Uh, uh, and, and the Colts the, may have Lockblack. And then the Colts are going to have a new head coach who, I'm, who are, is a head coach we're excited about and they're going to have luck back yeah. Yeah, it's going to be there's a lot of reason to be excited about the division next year um, should we talk about because we are going incredibly long now should we talk about the other game that happened last night as the uh, as the Philadelphia Eagles ran out 38 to 7 winners over the Minnesota Vikings now I did hear a lot of stuff this morning about how the Vikings were banged up about how there were a lot of injury worries we didn't know about I feel like that's been the same for any team at this point in the year it's the nature of the NFL I was and I know a lot of other people were absolutely stunned to see just how well the um, the Eagles game plan worked against the Vikings defense how well Nick Foles played in actually picking apart the back end of that Eagles defense and just the nature of this victory was uh, stunning just stunning some of the best throws I've seen since Sam Bradford against <laughs> the Saints in Week One in this game. Honestly, I mean it was it was incredible, really the, outstanding performance from Nick Foles. The two long I mean, touchdowns the, were were both exceptional throws and should not be ignored as such. Yeah, absolutely, and it was stunning. I mean, me and Ollie never predicted this, but I think we both kind of agreed that this that there was a a kind of formula in place here for Minnesota to have a ridiculously huge come down and that if that atmosphere got on top of them which it absolutely did with the pick six they could be in some trouble and how different would this game have been if not for that pick six on that play the Vikings were 7-0 up they'd scored on their first possession they were in opposing territory again and then boom next thing you know it's 7-7 the insane asylum is roaring and they just never recovered and that could happen in the playoffs I mean it's not the first time we've seen it so I think there was some mitigating factors the injuries you mentioned Xavier Rhodes Anthony Barr was banged up and I, I think uh, Sendejo I mean you're talking huge pieces of that defence there that defence 
is built around communication. It's built around guys who've played with each other for a lot of years. It's not the deepest defence. They don't come on and off the field a lot. So if you get down a couple of key guys like they did, it can unravel pretty quickly. The um, Sometimes when you make a prediction on a game and, and you're left kicking yourself... You, sometimes you make a prediction on the game and you just get it wrong because there because something like miraculous something unexpected happens and sometimes you make a prediction on the game and you think man I really should have seen that coming and that reshuffled Vikings line since Nick Easton went out of it has had troubles over the past six or seven weeks and they just couldn't handle the pass rush pressure from the Eagles and actually Jim Schwartz is a guy who can bring a lot of interesting blitz packages and does like to rotate the lines and do a lot of interesting stuff he didn't have to do much of that at all Malcolm Jenkins blitzed a little bit but it was a lot of pressure with three or four guys and they just tore that Vikings offensive line apart and you mentioned the pick I mean he was hit as he threw in that situation and that's why the pick happened and yeah I I just think Case Keenan was completely taken off his spot whereas on the other side Vitae is coming at left tackle and filled in phenomenally for the Eagles considering how bad he was at right tackle last season when he filled in for Lane Johnson he's been brilliant at left tackle coming in for an Hall of Fame player in Taylor and then you've got the uh, uh, um, and then you've got the, the fact that what amazed me about this game more than anything else Nick Foles as we saw against the Falcons if you really put him in the right situation to win he can win games but he has to absolutely normally be put in completely the right situation to win what was amazing about this game to me is he suddenly turned into Aaron Bloody Rogers. They were <laughs> extending plays well, well beyond the normal timing of the down, and he was keeping his eyes downfield. He was keeping clean in the pocket, and he was finding guys on their routes as they were extending them. And that's what happened on one of those two long touchdowns. And you're just going, "Who is this?" Wasn't one of them a flea flicker as well? Who is like- this player? Like I just, <laughs> I was just absolutely astounded that he was able to suddenly start developing plays and and actually starting to read defences longer and just everything about it was just nothing we'd seen in the last five weeks indicated that was coming nothing at all I mean nothing nothing we've seen in the last five years barring that 2013 season with Chip Kelly and Pat Shermer yeah, true, very true. I mean, the interesting question to me at this point is whether it's just a complete freak one-off performance outlier and there's a regression to the mean in the next game. And I do think that some of the Vikings' defence stuff I mentioned contributed to it. Mm. Or whether, can he do it again? Because if he plays like that again, the Super Bowl is, is on as a matchup. My uh, My most liked tweet from last night was saying can't wait for Nick Foles to throw for 82 yards and three interceptions in Minnesota and hand the Patriots a Super Bowl blowout because that is my concern is that this matchup on paper could be good because the Eagles defensive line is so good and can put the Patriots under some real pressure and that's you know that's what the Jags did in the first half and it was working for them but if Nick Foles doesn't come out and have a freakishly good performance like he did last week if Nick Foles isn't the Super Bowl MVP then the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl that's I think it's as simple as that Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, because the other element of this game, and obviously we've said we're not going to get into it heavily, is Brady's got a great record against Jim Schwartz's defence. So I I think the Patriots will move the ball more effectively on that defence than they might of the the Vikings one. But what was was key for me in the game against the Vikings was, okay, the the line was shuffled, but that rotating 
a cast of pass rushers and defensive uh, not defensive back but linebackers all of those guys really played their part Chris Long and Derek Barnett well, are not the starters and they both had two or three really big plays well, the, 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 you had uh, Chris Long recovered the fumble that uh, Derek Barnett caused Chris Long was the guy that got to Keenum to force him uh, got a touch on him as he was throwing which then allowed the ball to go into Patrick Robinson's hands and then Robinson ran it back and I said it on air on Talk Sport but that play reminded me so much of the Landon Collins interception for the Giants in Twickenham and it was Case Keenan was the same quarterback and it, it's little weird little things like that about this game that w- was really interesting from a Vikings point of view I think it, it sh- their defensive backs were showed up by that Alshon Jeffrey um, a touchdown where he completely blew away the 49 year old 49 is he 49 50 year old uh, Terrence Newman and um, Harrison Smith is he 49 yeah he's 49 39 <laughs> I think he's 49 <laughs> maybe 50 I think he's about 80 now yeah he? <laughs> but, but Jeffrey made him look that old and look when you've got Aguilar Ertz Jeffrey who are all big guys you can't double team them all because you know you don't have the personnel you don't have enough players on the field so the, the, it was encapsulated by one of the touchdowns that, that uh, falls through to Jeffrey where it was put in nowhere near it was perfectly thrown at a high point of about 11 foot where Jeffrey leaped into the air extended his arms there was no way that could be done and if they can can replicate some of that play in the red zone against the Patriots they're going to cause some problems I I said this about the Eagles last week and I ended up eating my words but it felt like another game where everything went right for the Eagles and yes coaching has something to do with that but after the opening drive for the Vikings where they tore them a new one after that all the big plays kind of went in their direction you had a player like Zach Ertz who hasn't been playing up to the level of what we've seen from him in, in previous years since Nick Foles has come in I think he's a really big safety blanket for Wentz but I mean he had one play in particular down the sideline where um, Harrison Smith closed him and went to put a tackle in and he just put Smith into the dirt and that is you know arguably one of the top two safeties in the league in Harrison Smith and he just managed to completely uh, completely hand him off and then make another seven or eight yards up the field and and they just everything every play kind of went right yeah. for them and, yeah. and that's my concern again going forward um, just very quickly on that strip sack play by the way how if you're the Vikings and you know your offensive line has been an issue over the recent weeks do you allow your backup tight end to end up in a one-on-one matchup situation with Derek Barnett it, that was it, ridiculous it, it, in fairness Jim Schwartz is brilliant at, at attacking protections it might, might be the best coordinator in the league in terms of the way he sets up his rushes to get the best matchups like no, but they brought the tight, the tight end was brought around the formation yeah he was. He was. Yeah, but that, part of that move was that the Titan comes around the formation and then still ends up matched up one on one with Barnett. Surely, if the Titans come around the formation, it's to double team the edge rusher with the tackle. And that's one of the things that a great quarterback gives you, isn't it? I mean, it, you would think somebody like Brady spots that before the snap, and and that's the issue with guys like Falls, guys like Keenum. They're just not operating at that level. Guys, not like many portals. who are. It's not many who are. Um, They're absolutely not. For the Vikings, it's the same question, really, isn't it? I mean, they've they've probably got to get a, a, a another cornerback. They could get a little bit younger in a couple of positions, and maybe the offensive line. They continue to look at developing that, as I think everyone should every season. But you've got three quarterbacks all out of contract. You've got the 
super high upside injury prone Sam Bradford you've got the great story but no idea what he is Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater and you've got the guy who's played to a near MVP level this season in Case Keenum but who's losing the offensive coordinator who's taken his play to a completely different level this year to the Giants so you're literally it's it's a bit of a Sophie's Choice situation who do you end up going for every choice feels like both the right choice and the wrong choice apparently they absolutely love their fourth string quarterback as well (laughs) ridiculously (laughs) like they've got four on the active roster at the moment do you know what I think they'll do is is the backup uh, is the fourth string quarterback of the Vikings the guy we spoke to at the uh, Taylor Hinnicky no he moved to uh, where did he go Kyle Slaughter is the fourth guy on the roster where did Heineke go he went he played and then he got he played one down and he got concussion (laughs) where did he go someone like Texas Texans yeah he went to the Texans Texans. but uh, what I think the Vikings will do and I think they're so high still on Teddy Bridgewater I think they believe in Bridgewater I think they'll pay him and let Keenum go and let Bradford go and I think they'll go with Bridgewater if Keenum goes then Sherman needs to get him into New York Um, yeah it would make so much sense it would be perfect wouldn't it my feeling is I think they may end up franchise tagging Keenum to give themselves a year and I know it's a lot of money to pay Case Keenum for one season 20 odd million dollars sense. it doesn't I don't but, think they'll do that but Teddy Bridgewater is he's a guy you've got no idea what you're getting from him and you can't give him a long term contract unless it is the basest of lowest salaries and he takes it all in incentive based stuff and, and even then you're hurting your cap situation you're just not hurting your bottom line at the start of the season I, I think two of three are going to go. I can't see how they keep uh, two of three. I'm around. with you on that. The, 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 the issue to me is Sam Bradford is absolutely the one that you should keep, except for the fact that yet again he's had a season that is ruined by injuries, so you can't afford to do it. If you can get Bridgewater on a deal, then maybe you do. But maybe they just roll with the fourth string guy, the love and, and Keenum. I think that's the the safest bet. You've still got your great defense. That's still what this team is going to be built around. You get Dalvin Cook back next year. The Vikings are still a team who should be one of the favourites in the NFC next year. It's going to be interesting to see what they do at offensive coordinator because like we saw with the Falcons this year, they were pretty cocksure about the idea that Steve Sarkeesian could come in and continue to run that offence at the high level that it was run under Kyle Shanahan and it just didn't work. Um, It'd be interesting to see if the Vikings keep Keenum around and say, yep, we can do the same thing again. It wasn't all about Shermer. We can do it without him even though Zimmer is such an offensive-minded coach that could be a recipe for disaster I hope it's not because I've loved watching Keenan this season bizarrely but uh, there is that slight fear that that could end up being a, a, a similar situation to the Falcons this year and we see a massive drop-off offensively yeah I think you're right Will it bears watching um, right it, it, what's, what time are we hourly because we've not there's all the head coaching stuff and we could talk about but we could just save ourselves it's going to be it's it. an hour with all the stuff and we're gonna, yeah. we've got all the next week as well when we're doing our daily chats at the Super Bowl we fly into Minneapolis on Sunday arriving Sunday evening what time do we get there Sunday evening Sunday yeah mid-afternoon something like that oh nice uh, get to our hotel Little little spa action, maybe Ollie. Oh, yeah. Go for a swim. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, uh, do you guys have a spa in your hotel? <laughs> no, we've got a gym. We've um, got a swimming pool. Is there a gym? Uh, I've definitely covered and used the swimming pool, guys. <laughs> you might not. Well, let's see if you're allowed to, mate. First of all, before you start making these claims, yeah. um, ours, it's happening. We 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 found out that we have been relegated to the furthest hotel from Radio Row of all the media hotels. Despite getting a media hotel, we've still ended up slightly 
<laughs> further out than uh, oh, some of the others when we've compared it are with you further with are you further with the way oh no we're like uh, we're like 30 percent the distance away that you are but um great we're like a mile away instead of being literally outside the door like the uh the guys are from uh, some of the other media but however if you walk to the uh to the media center and uh, radio row from our hotel in minus 30 <laughs> you will freeze because it's a mile so don't do it we're going to be getting a lot of six dollar ubers from the media hotel uh, yeah there will be i imagine yeah. there will be uh, uh yeah and then we'll have uh media night on the monday and i guess that's when we'll do the first podcast maybe after that what's on opening night opening night i sung that on talk sport yesterday no one knew what was going on so here we go Sorry. open opening night on the monday podcast opening after night. that so your first podcast will come tuesday morning and it's we're skiing me- monday afternoon mate yeah well. man and then it's the media party on the tuesday yeah. the media party. So, we media to, so we might have to podcast night. wednesday morning after that because yeah, I don't think we're going to be podcasting that night. No, no. Not if there's a free whiskey yeah, we'll, bar again. We'll do what we usually do, which is podcast before the media party. Well, we want to we want to bring in those stories. Let's do it the next morning. Yeah, it's it, we want to hear too. about Ollie vomiting on a roller coaster because for some reason they've decided it's a good idea to combine free alcohol with an indoor theme park at the Mall of America. <laughs> Come good on. one, guys. Uh, um, yeah, I think there should be some kind of forfeit for the first person to be sick on a roller coaster, and I'm going to put my money on it being Josh Peacock. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, without doubt. <laughs> I love that everyone's gone with that. Brilliant, um, guys. If you are thinking about going out to the Super Bowl, I know it's a crazy amount of money to spend in one go, but genuinely, the people with the best value packages out there, and and I mean a thousand pounds cheaper than any other package i've seen from a travel company is touchdown trip so head to their website touchdowntrips.com chat with ben mortimer he'll do his best to make it the best possible deal for you just like he has for my mate the eagles fan chris um uh, who we're gonna go for the hotel for that is also it will also be right near us in 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 mall of america so maybe we could say hello and hook you up well, we'll be going for beers with Chris Chris McManus, who's the Eagles fan, came on our tour when we went out to Penn State, etc., a few years back, and he's a great guy, so we'll definitely go for beers with him, and so if he's in the same hotel as a bunch of other gr- touchdown trips people, we may as well go out for a drink with a lot of them. Yep, all over that. Great work. All right, guys. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that sweetens the deal or, or, or makes it worse. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of cancellation emails in my inbox this morning, guys. <laughs> what did you say on the podcast? <laughs> um, uh, otherwise, great work, guys. Uh, congratulations to fans of the Eagles. And, uh, you know, for fans of the Patriots, it's just uh, business as usual for you guys at this point. Uh, my second most liked tweet last night was my one at Matt saying, well done, mate. It's gl- good that finally something went right for one of your teams. <laughs> um, uh, but great work and congratulations to those teams. Commiserations to Vikings and Jags fans. What it does mean is that we're going to probably get a lot of Vikings and a lot of Jags on the podcast over Radio Row Week. So there's a positive for you uh, thank you so much for listening as always uh, at Gridiron on Twitter let us know your thoughts let us know what you want us to do while we're out in Minnesota let's get Matt Sherry doing some stupid stuff uh, otherwise thank you for listening to the show this has been the Gridiron Show bye what, any final thoughts or? any final thoughts Ollie uh, Sherry did you get my thing on WhatsApp you know um, the 50 no. my prediction and 50, 50 words I, I did and I ended oh, oh, up abandoning did? them all and what I've done is cal- oh. collated them all together and we're now doing a one grid iron pick which is an average of all the picks oh so you did you did get it but you, but you replied to 
You replied to Clancy, but not me. <laughs> so I wrote those words for no reason while I was half asleep in bed this morning. I, f- I felt really Absolutely. bad about not getting them to you quick enough, and then I went and did it, and you didn't reply and to me. And you also offered to help me out more, which I massively appreciate. I did help you. Out, you I did know. help you. I, I, I apologise. I'll buy you. I'll buy you another mate <laughs> in Minnesota. <laughs> no, you don't need to. And he will do it on the company credit card. <laughs> it will be in no way out of his own pocket. It was out of his own pocket on. Uh, on yeah, it was out of the own, my own pocket. Uh, I want to see your. Uh, <laughs> I want to see your tax returns to make sure that that is purely out of your own pocket next year, Matt Sherry. And I will remember. Uh, Gavin never Fine. forgets. <laughs> uh, right, guys. Genuine final thoughts this time. No. Really got to get on with my real job. Yeah, same here. All right, thank you so much for listening. See you everyone. soon, Tommy. Love you, bye. This has been the Gridiron Show. Hello, you're listening to the Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full time supply, 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org.